Welcome to The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. On The Purposeful Project podcast, we share real-life stories from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. We like to think our podcast will provide mentorship to those that need it and give you access to the knowledge you need to start and scale a business. To hear these incredible stories, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit purposefulproject.com. Hey, Michael, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show again. Thanks again for doing Pep Talk before, and it's great to have you here for our main event. And I'm really excited to hear about your life story and how you built your business. For those that haven't listened to the Pep Talk episode, maybe do you mind just taking a minute or two just to share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, Well, firstly, of course, thank you uh, for having me again. Uh, Super excited uh, to be uh, invited to share a little bit more and uh, of course, hope uh, we can uh, address some uh, interesting topics. Um, I'm, fr- I'm uh, from the Netherlands, born and raised in the Netherlands and currently living in London with my wife and our doggy Margot. Um, we just bought our first home here together. So uh, super excited to have just moved in. Um, I love running, uh, kite surfing, just sports in general. I'm, I really enjoy. Uh, very obsessed with a good barbecue. Um, together with David and Serge, we launched uh, dating app Inner Circle in November 2012. Uh, and Inner Circle is a high quality dating app where we um, focus, where most apps focus on swiping and wasting basically your time. We focus on uh, giving users good dates. I never asked you in, in Pep Talk, but did you, um, how did you meet your wife? Um, I met my wife in a bar. Oh, was it, was it in your own app then? Oh, that's kind of where I was going with that, you know. So this was um, a couple of weeks before we launched Inner Circle. I was in the bar for work, which was great. So I was doing uh, user research. I had created a little focus group and I invited them all to this bar. And I brought basically the surveys and they had to fill in the surveys. And then we talked about dating. And after that, uh, we basically just did drinks all together in the bar. And uh, there was a girl singing in the bar. And uh, the girl who was singing in the bar had brought a friend. And um, they started uh, talking with a friend of mine and then basically um, we started chatting and um, my wife, uh, she was a graphic designer and I was like, oh, well, at least um, maybe she can give me some feedback on what we've been uh, doing uh, for, uh, for Inner Circle. And uh, she took a look at what we did and she thought it looked all so rubbish that she was like, no way I'm going either dating or giving uh, feedback to this guy. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I persevered, and I think after about uh, four months, uh, she gave in, and we started dating, and um, the rest is history. Even before your app was launched, in a way, your business helped you find a relationship. It was yeah, a good yeah, excuse. Right? That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, I've I've been looking at your history and and some of the things you've done, and um, why don't you t- tell us a little bit about your journey to kind of get to inner circle? You know, I I, I how did you would you let's start off by saying asking you do you, did you think you were always an entrepreneur have you always felt that entrepreneurial urge um yeah um from from, from a young age i was always uh trying to to do little projects i think one of the first projects i remember doing was um stealing my uh, neighbor's uh lawnmower and going around the neighborhood to ask if i could uh, lo- uh mow their lawns and uh, make money like that. Um, then uh, a couple years uh, later, when I was 16, uh, a couple friends and I started kite surfing. We um, 
for wow these guideboards are really expensive to make so we started doing research on internet how they were manufactured and then we started making our own kiteboards and then we learned that there weren't that big margins in the kiteboards itself but the apparel that comes with it there were good margins from that so we started making some hoodies and stuff and basically always um picking up little pro- uh, side projects and trying to make them big um my whole life always been looking uh, to do things differently um, and then eventually I ended up in London studying entrepreneurship at Royal Holloway. And for my dissertation, I um, had to interview a couple uh, successful inter- entrepreneurs. And one of these entrepreneurs was uh, David, uh, who I had met on a dinner party through, uh, through my cousin. And um, he was basically, uh, he got them out of a long-term relationship and... Um, we were asking him like how was he doing and he was saying like oh um i'm doing actually pretty well uh, i started to look around on online dating websites but you know they're really uh, scammy and full of fake profiles they're very anonymous why is there not a dating website where i can where there's a bit more trust where i kind of know with who i'm going on a date with and that is basically the trigger moment where um he um he was saying like i want to do this and i said amazing i'm about to finish my masters can i join so the next day we met up in a coffee shop and we started working out the idea um and he was already working uh together with our cto serge and um basically that's how it all started with inner circle and did you find the conversation uh when you were say okay i'm in sounds all very casual did did you um again i'm thinking about my listeners they might want to know like when you're starting a partnership with someone do you have to have an agreement in place about you know who owns what and 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 did you have that conversation early on or was it literally like let's just work on the idea and we'll talk all about all that stuff later how did how did the kind of structure yeah yeah i I think it's definitely uh important to make uh, a clear agreement from start in top lines um i'm not sure you have to work out every detail from start uh there was definitely uh some trust in there as uh david he was already working on some projects through um his uh, limited so he had just published a book together with uh serge our uh, cto and um he said like you know let's first develop the concept and see if we can get something together before we start to get into all the difficult nitty-gritty and stuff so we basically put things on paper um in in top level but only once things started to get traction is when we sat down and um uh, focused on setting it up properly so just looking at the timeline um so you were co-founder of a company called cascades villa i'm probably saying that wrong um yeah was this was this so this was a previous venture and, and this was after or before you were doing your MSc entrepreneurship at Royal Holloway, talk, talk us about the timeline a little bit. Like, how did it play out for you? Um, so, while at um, university, um, it was just after the financial crisis, and I was studying at Royal Holloway. And a friend of mine, he was from Portugal, and I was visiting uh, him in Portugal, and he showed me around. And basically. Portugal um, took a bit longer to get out of the crisis. And for instance, there were were a lot of uh, houses empty, lots of developments empty, and uh, they were all for sale, but no one was going to buy a house at that time in Portugal. 
And um, I said to uh, to him, like, why are these not all being rented out as holiday homes, you know, with Airbnb and all these fantastic platforms that were coming up. So, um, yeah, we saw an opportunity there together. And he, of course, had uh, the network in uh, Portugal. So um, he brought in um, the houses. I set up the websites and the rental um, um, setup. And we basically just started promoting that and uh, renting them out. And um, this proved to be a very uh, fun side hustle. We learned a lot, but it wasn't really scalable. So at the same time, uh, I was already, um, no, probably a bit later on uh, is when we started working on Inner Circle. Uh, with uh, David and Serge. So they were first parallel projects. And then eventually when Inner Circle started to take off and I realized there was not that much scalability to um, the way we did um, our uh, our villas, that I started to fully focus on uh, Inner Circle and um, stopped working on uh, renting out the villas. It was always interesting for, for my listeners who are thinking of starting businesses. Maybe they've got two businesses at the moment as well. I mean, it's very common for entrepreneurs. You kind of ha- can't help yourself, right? You, you see opportunity and, and you, you, you try to leverage it. But it must have been a difficult decision to kind of say, right, Cascade Villas, I'm going to stop that, especially if you built it up. Or did you just know it was no point and that was an easy decision? Yeah, yeah, it's... Um I think you just have to be really honest uh, to yourself. And eventually there's only so much you can do in a day and in a week. Uh, So having constantly that open dialogue, for instance, with your uh, business partners about uh, where you're standing and um, uh, where your focus is uh, and priorities are drifting to. I think it's just super important to continuously communicate uh, about um, where you're standing. Um, because yeah, it's pretty natural that if you, uh, try a couple different projects and eventually one project starts flying, that you will, um, have to dedicate all your time to that, to, uh, make it a success. And unfortunately it's pretty hard to, uh, do multiple successful projects at the same time. Now you, you mentioned earlier meeting your co-founders while doing an entrepreneurship MSc at Royal Halloway University of London. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also personally a little bit. Uh, skeptical about learning entrepreneurship through university but tell me what it was like for you was is, am, I, am I wrong in that view and I might be because I haven't done it but what was you clearly you got something out of it because you found your co-founders but what did you think of the experience of learning entrepreneurship via university yeah so um, to clarify I didn't um, uh, meet my co-founders uh, at the study uh, but um, I had to interview for the course um, some un- some uh, other entrepreneurs and uh, basically uh, that's how we met so the course basically triggered me speaking with other people who were setting up ventures um but yeah it's a it's a question i get a lot uh for for example yeah um i would say uh, a part of the course is like a small business small business management uh, and i think uh, practically it's very handy to understand um, how to run a small business uh, when you're doing a startup um, and I think that is a lot more valuable than uh, learning how to run a corporate, for example. So from a practical perspective, I thought it was a really uh, handy course. And then from the entrepreneurship perspective, it's very inspiring to learn about entrepreneurs and to think about projects and to see how others uh, approached it. Um, but it doesn't take away all the uh, difficulties that you encounter when you want to set up a business. So 
uh, I don't think uh, by studying it that you get a, a, a holy bullet that suddenly helps you uh, get something off the ground because that is that just remains always incredibly hard. So if people are listening and they're thinking, you know, should I go do, you know, learn entrepreneurship at university or start a business of my own? You know, I, I mean, I, I personally have always recommended the practical experience is, is always going to be generally better. Um, but, you know, do, do you recommend people go and do entrepreneurship courses at universities? It, 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 would that be something you'd recommend? Um, I loved my uh, year at Royal Holloway. I think it uh, was a brilliant, brilliant time in so many perspectives. And I made so many new friends, new contacts, uh, people all over the world. And I think a very valuable thing that I uh, got additionally from that year is all the great friendships and people I met uh, uh, from there and not only uh, on a personal level but also on a professional level uh, that it has opened so many doors so many super interesting people who have uh, given uh, given so many interesting ideas because uh, for example at the university there was a computer sciences department a couple of my friends were uh, studying computer science and they looked at things from such a different perspective that I learned so much from them and I'm still learning a lot from them so uh, I don't think uh, university is only about um, the um, the practical course itself, but also about all the other things that it brings with it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I, one of the reasons I did this podcast show is because I never want to be the person that I have my own experience, which is practically yeah. doing startups. I've never been to yeah. uh, university and, and learned entrepreneurship. So I don't have the authority really to say whether or not it, it's a good thing to do. So it's great to have someone that's actually done it and had the experience of who is a successful entrepreneur giving their view. So it's very important for my listeners to, to kind of pick up on that. And it's important to get different views on it. Do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? Yeah, it, interesting question. I don't think the the world is uh, black and white, to be honest. Um, so I believe people are naturally drawn to certain things. Like, for instance, well, if we look at the dating scene, um, some uh, people are drawn to boys, some people are drawn to girls. And um, uh, um, on my personal front, I'm, for example, naturally drawn to running. I don't know what it is, but always I found running has came to me very easily so when i think of a run you know i, I want to go out now and go on a run and you know when 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 you feel attracted to it it's so much easier to practice it a lot and when you practice it a lot it's a lot easier to become good at it um so it feels less less effort um when you're naturally drawn to it on the other hand i think the environment is key because on one hand it triggers um those unconscious strengths you have for example uh, my parents and my friends, they were all very entrepreneurial and um, they, we, we egged each other on with projects and ideas. And this is also how the kitesurf, um, uh, uh, kiteboard manufacturing came along. So I think your uh, environment really helps you trigger and get the best out of you. And also it, just, it doesn't just trigger, but also how good your environment is really helps you become, say, a six or a ten at something. For example, when you, I don't know, want to learn to play squash and you play with people who are less good than you, then it's, it takes a lot more time to become really good at it. Whereas if you are going to play squash with people who are incredibly good, then you're just going to learn so much quicker. 
Um, and of course, when you become good at something, it becomes more fun. So it's like a vicious cycle. It's very interesting. I think the environment is so important. I couldn't agree more. Looking back at your history, I mean, you, you have had a few jobs. Um, and I, I know, I know they're early on in your career, but you know, do, do, what do you think about working for someone else? I mean, you, you, you were doing a management trainee course with a company based in Singapore. It sounds like that was interesting. Did, did you ever feel like, hey, I could get a job, maybe this entrepreneurial gig isn't for me, it's too hard, and I'll just, just have a job? Did that ever cross your mind? Um, yeah, it's interesting, because when I was younger, I, I was always thinking of uh, setting up my own companies. Uh, but of course, once you're in the struggle of, once, or once I was in the struggle of building my own company with Inner Circle, so many times, you know, you hit walls, you... Uh, get into difficult situations and you see your friends getting nice salaries and being on a very um, steady track and it's like maybe the grass always seems greener uh, on the other side but um, yeah I've, I've thought it a thousand times uh, why don't I just get a job but um, yeah in, in the end uh, the reward the satisfaction you get of the impact um, you make is just uh, such an incredible thrill um, that um I, I, I wouldn't uh, change it. No, I, I also... I um, did, um, please go ahead. I, I, I did um, when uh, we launched in a circle and we didn't manage to take uh, uh, to make it uh, get off the ground. Um, I started applying for jobs at uh, Google and at IBM and stuff. Um, they uh, all rejected me and then suddenly the inner circle started to get traction and things started to explode and uh, luckily I didn't have to continue uh, applying for jobs. Yeah, sometimes that rejection can be good, right? I mean, anyone listening right now that's not got the job they wanted or needed, um, maybe that's a sign, right? It could be a sign sometimes that you're, you're not meant to get that job. It can be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, very true. Do you think, um, you mentioned there it took off. I was reading, you know, your business went viral. And how did that happen? How did you, how did you manage to get the business to take off? What was, what was the trigger, do you think? Um, it was a combination of um, quite a few elements. Uh, we basically um, launched it in November 2012 in Amsterdam by uh, inviting uh, a lot of our single friends to a bar. And we said, you know, um, in order to uh, get in and get free drinks, um, you have to download the app and sign up. And uh, our friends were quite hesitant because, you know, back then online dating was quite frowned upon. Like, I don't need a dating app. Uh, but of, at the same time, people were curious. Um, it was uh, around the same time that Tinder had just launched in the US. Um, people were starting to get open to these kind of things. And I think so the timing, the curiosity. Uh, and then um, we uh, created a format of exclusivity where um, you could only get onto the app if you were invited by someone on the app. And that exclusivity is what really triggered uh, the virality. And it took a while. For a while, it was um, basically um, simmering under the surface. And then once enough people started inviting each other and talking about online dating, which was like, really? Online dating? Um, it suddenly exploded and uh, the domino stones uh, started to fall uh, quicker and quicker. I think it's interesting to have been a fly on the wall when you were having the conversation about that exclusivity thing because it's kind of counterintuitive to a business that wants to scale, isn't it? You, you, know, you don't just invite anybody on. You literally create 
uh, that, that, that the old nightclub system where everyone queues outside, right? That kind of like, how do I get in? Did you have a conversation? Yeah, yeah. Did, that, did that come naturally to you, that idea? Or is it definitely something that, you know, you had to... It's not easy, is it, to say no to people, basically? You know, it must have been quite hard to enact that strategy and not just want huge growth quickly. Um, yeah, we, 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 as we didn't raise any money, we didn't have very deep pockets. So we had to come up with a strategy which we believed uh, could potentially give us fast growth uh, without uh, much money and so we knew we had to do something um, that had uh, potential uh, virality through for example exclusivity so we just listed uh, the different ideas we could come up with and uh, this seemed to be the lowest cost um, highest reward uh, option for us yeah I just think for people listening that are thinking of starting a business the concept that you know you're going to limit the access I think most people would think, oh, no, we want as many people to hear about it as possible. But, and I'm just trying to imagine as a dating app model back in 2012, it wasn't common dating apps yet. But the idea of inviting someone onto a dating app, my initial feeling is it's, it sounds a bit weird, right? Like if you are on a dating app yourself, who are you going to invite? Your mates? You know, what, who, what, 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 what was the trigger there in the early days? Was it, was it, I love the bar concept, by the way. I think that's an interesting one. You, know, you get free drinks if you download the app, but you can only afford to do that so many times, right? Yeah, we, we could only afford, afford to do that once. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, of course, there has to be a reward, an incentive. Um, so it's not just um, you're on the app, so um, you're, uh, you want to invite your friends. Uh, in, in the inner circle, we uh, created an incentive uh, that you would get all your uh, messages and activity for free if you would get two friends to uh, sign up. So it was kind of... Uh, that uh, like you know th it was exclusivity but the opposite of exclusivity because there was an incentive with it to invite your friends and um, uh, get that uh, ball rolling snowball rolling basically interesting enough did um, did you I mean I guess uh, it's oh, it might might not remember this but did you find that people only then invited two people was it was it exactly what you asked them to do or did people end up inviting a lot more than two um I'd say the majority of the people uh, is pretty functional about it. So they invited uh, just the people um, to get the free access. But then there's always some outliers who basically invite hundreds of people and are really passionate about uh, spreading the word. And th those are, of course, fantastic ambassadors to have for your brand. Now, I was reading you have over two and a half million members now. Is that out of date or still correct? Um uh, three and a half million. So, I see, I, it was always, I'm always a million off, no matter what. But three yeah. and a half million uh, members—that that's an incredible community. It must. Um, you must look back, and you know, from the early days, I'm sure, till now. It's. It, I just can't imagine three and a half million people interacting on a, on a platform. Um, that that. They, do you realize how far you've come? Do you sometimes think about that? That's. I don't know. That's half the population of London, for example, almost. It, uh, the, the, the interesting thing, I think, of entrepreneurship is when you start, you have very practical goals, like we want this amount of members or this amount of revenue. But every time you get a little step closer, the goalposts move and they move and they move. And you basically never create those moments of celebration to celebrate a milestone and to really take it in. And uh, what we uh, in recent years uh, started to do is to think, you know, what is it that we're really doing? So for us, for instance, our big, hairy, audacious goal is 
that every second a member gets together in real life. And uh, currently that is every seven seconds, which is of course pretty crazy to think about, like every seven seconds, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and someone is on a date, you know, that's a really crazy fault. So um, I think the moment that when we reach that every second a member gets together, that that will really feel like a, a special milestone. But bef before that, the, I, I think the milestones um, didn't really have enough substance. You know, they just kept moving and um, yeah, weren't inspirational enough to really feel as a big achievement. Coffee shops around the world owe you a big thank you, I think, probably, you know. I've, I've sat in coffee shops and heard these dates for the first time. But, uh, but it, that's incredible, fantastic. I mean, frankly, to have someone meeting every seven seconds because of your platform uh, on a date is, is pretty amazing, isn't it? Do, do, when you think about expansion, is, is it all done? I mean, again, this might be out of date, uh, but it's 50 cities globally. It's the last time I read you were in 50 cities. Um, embarrass my research team now by telling me it's, it's 20 more than that or something. But, um, but it, 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 that's, that's, that's also pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, you started off in the Netherlands, I know, um, but to be in 50 cities is incredible. Yeah, that, that, uh, that is a, um, a really bizarre fault. I mean, in most of the cities, uh, none, none of our team have been and have visited. And uh, at the same time, you know, our uh, support team speaks every day to hundreds of people in all those cities. Um, some, of course, um, uh, come with questions. Uh, some are ra raving because, you know, they met their husband or wife or they just got a baby. Uh, and it's incredibly cool to see that the most random places around the world uh, we've brought people together. And uh, what's also quite cool, for example, is that um, uh, our team, especially during uh, Corona, uh, we've been uh, growing pretty fast. And we've got, for instance, colleagues in uh, Brazil who we've never met. And it's uh, fantastic. Um, it's incredibly cool to see how you can yeah, just expand uh, online as a company and uh, all still work together on the same uh, on the same purpose now i know the uh, industry's moved on a lot since you launched your business in 2012 I was, I was just wondering how you stay innovative really how you continue to uh, make a difference is is there any strategy you have for staying staying innovative uh focus focus is um i think the most important thing to really understand um what set us apart and uh, keep doing that better uh, than the competition, of course. And the competition, they focus on what sets them apart. And as long as we uh, keep claiming our uh, domain and keep doing that better, um, we, uh, re we remain ahead of, the, uh, of all the other thousands and thousands of dating apps that are being launched every year. And um, also the timing, of course, having started in uh, 2012 has given us a huge amount of uh, knowledge and uh, techno technological advantage over um, all the competition that is being launched every day. I think the what sets you apart thing that you're mentioning here is so crucial. I really want my audience to pick up on this. Defining what sets you apart is really tricky though, isn't it? So you know, in, in your yeah. business, what do you think def what sets you apart and how, and how do you keep innovating in that? Um, the funny thing is that we didn't realize for the first couple of years what set us uh, really, truly apart. We had a hunch, so we executed what we did at a hunch and um, that went well. Um, and we basically just 
kept uh, improving on it. But then eventually we started to hit a glass ceiling as a, as a brand and as a company we, uh, where uh, our growth was slowing down. And this was the moment that we were like, why is this happening? And we went back to the drawing board and um, we uh, started sparring about what is the essence of what, we, what we've always been doing really well. And that is the moment that we dis uh, that we discovered that what we really do well is help people meet in real life, get people together in real life, and that that is the essence of what we do well. Whereas other dating apps say they focus on the swiping or who makes the first move or on the relationship or whatever. The essence of dating is the date, is meeting up, and uh, we realized that that is what we've been doing well in the app through features in the app, but also, for instance, by organizing real life events over the world, across the world, everywhere. It's all about bringing people together in real life. And that was the thing that we always did really well. And that is understanding that um, has been a, a crucial um, driver in, in, in the growth that came in the years after that. Your competition are making notes. So I'm only nervous now. It's a really interesting point. I've not heard of that. Uh, before and so um, oh, but how did you figure that out was it I mean, that's quite a hard thing to realize isn't it like that 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 element like you said first couple of years you didn't even realize it what did you just brainstorm you sat around a table and said what is it and then you just realized or how did you get to that uh, we worked with uh, an external agency who was really good at asking questions, lots of questions to our users, to ourselves, uh, looking at the space. And they basically helped us unravel the essence of uh, what we'd been doing. Wow, that's a, that's a very special service because I think a lot of people I know in our, in our community struggle with this. They, uh, they, they hit a glass ceiling um, and they can't figure out how to take it to the next level and they're not quite sure what made them popular in the first place. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. a really, really interesting thing. Yeah. And I, I guess well, one thing I, I guess probably common is, is ask your users, go and talk to your consumers and have, have their view, but you've got to ask the right questions. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, one of the things I personally enjoy most. So I've been to, well, uh, every event since 2012, except two events in London. I've been to lots of our events in Paris, in Amsterdam. And always the events I used to speak to as many uh, people as I could to learn from them how they were experiencing the app and what really uh, drive them at a deeper level. And um, this, I guess, always gave an unconscious hunch of um, of what was important, but only by realizing what really uh, was the essence of that drove our business uh, made it a lot easier to focus on what matters for the user most. Now, I know... David and Serge will probably be listening to this podcast at some point, but I was really interested to understand the dynamics of, of three people as co-founders. How, how has that played out? How have you managed to make that work? Because I, I find, you know, I've got one partner in life and I find it quite hard. So I can't imagine having two and, and a big company to run. But how, how have you managed to make that work? What do you think is the secret recipe? Um, it is super hard. Uh, and I must uh, say we're probably... Uh, none of us are uh, naturally uh, the best communicators. So I think in the first years, because we were just with the three of us, it's very easy because everybody has their own domain and you're all running in the same direction and it's very easy to be aligned. But then when you become bigger, there's this transition in the company from, say, an execution-focused company or known as a family to uh, a tribe where there's a lot of people with lots of opinions and then it suddenly becomes a lot harder and this communication becomes so much more important. And 
um if you if you would ask me like what would i um do differently or earlier on is uh involve a coach um who doesn't only coach uh, the founders individually but also as a team to help them uh be a really good glue and communication and be really well aligned um, in every single way. Yeah, I've not heard that before. It's a really good point, isn't it? Football teams have coaches that keep the team together. You've got lots of individual football stars there that all think they're great, right? But getting them all aligned, it's almost like, um, I guess, like having a chairman or like uh, having... Um, yeah, having having like a board of advisors almost, but where there was a coaching piece there is is pretty probably vital to uh, keep you all all on the same page. But but the other thing I guess is is also the structure of the company. Um, again, if you if you don't mind me asking, was it all equal? How did you how did you decide who gets what? Um, well, I always think it's good in a company when there's uh, one captain, one boss. Uh, so it was David's uh, initial idea. He put uh, down uh, some initial investment, for instance, into the the night of the of the pub, into uh, the development fees, things like that. Uh, so he uh, has the majority share, and uh, I'd say Serge and I, uh, our shares are more um, uh, in balance with uh, sweat equity. So we made an agreement from start that if we would work. Uh, on the project for a certain period, we would get a certain amount of uh, shares in the company. Mm. Again, this is something that's not talked about much. And I think it really is, it needs people to need to see how this can work. Because I know a lot of people who turn down starting up businesses because they feel they didn't get 50-50. And it really isn't about having 50-50 necessarily. It is about having, you know, a, a, a stake in a business that you enjoy, that you're proud of, that's successful. And then the number doesn't really matter if it's successful, right? Better to have, I guess, 5% of, of uh, Facebook than 51% of MySpace. Not that you'd want Facebook, but conceptually, right? You know, that, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. it's better to have a business that's doing well. And it's, it's been now, I guess, how long have you been operating? 11 years? 10, 10 years? Yeah. You've been 10 years operating, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you've been working together Coming ten, up for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, it's another milestone you mustn't forget. <laughs> I feel like I've just reminded you. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's Thank a big you. milestone. T- 10 years in business is, is not easy, right? So, yeah. and, and I feel like you're just as enthusiastic as ever. But, but if you went back um, and, and started again, what, what would you do differently, do you think? Well, probably I would uh, definitely, uh, what, what I just mentioned, the coaching. Um, I, I think uh, that would have uh, made uh, uh, made our communication and our way of working so much easier to be aligned. Um, but also, uh, for instance, something you know, v- values you, um, are something quite intangible. Uh, so we 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 set values, and then you know the values, yeah, we 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 they're there, but they don't really do anything, and. Uh, only in recent years when we made that transition from family to, to tribe is when we started to think about our values and what the beautiful thing of values are if you really define them but not just define them make them part of the DNA and activate them is that basically the team can make thousands of decisions and the right decisions totally by themselves they don't need um say the management or people to align with because the values really give them um the um uh, the, the the answer they need in order to do their jobs right and uh, therefore i think uh setting up uh, values and bringing them to life and making them part of the dna from start 
is 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 a, is a super important thing. Um, and another point uh, would come back to um, what we discussed earlier is um, understanding what we are doing because we understood only after multiple years and then hitting the glass ceiling what was um, the real strength of our business. Whereas um, if we would have known that earlier, we could have been a lot earlier in charge of the narrative of our brand because what we noticed is that at some point, because we weren't telling a consistent brand story is that uh, the media and our users uh, started telling their own stories. So when you would ask 10 different users at the time what the inner circle was, you would get 10 different answers and the same from the media. So making sure that we really understood the essence of what we do and communicate clearly about that um, would have been um, yeah, it's a huge driver as well in um, growing faster. On a, on a personal level, um, uh, I think the milestone of being able to get a uh, okay salary out of the company we built uh, was huge. Um, I think it took about four or five years um, to uh, to to be on a on a on an okay salary, and uh, that that was a fantastic feeling um, on on a personal level. But on the business level, um, the the default of that every seven seconds uh, a member gets together is just uh, incredible and i can't wait to uh, reach the every second and um, every time when i walk into the office there's this huge uh, wall with baby cards and wedding cards and stuff and these are all for me the most important um, points of success i really like both points you're making there and i think it's it's fair as again thinking about my listeners that are trying to build out you know what success looks for them but having a personal success i really love your i i, I really feel the energy around the point you're making on salary because it's it, it it's, it's so hard to build a business do something you love and be able to sustain yourself and you know i used yeah, to always exactly. like again that zero i used to say to people if i can get a business to zero so in other words it's covering its costs um, and I'm able to do what I love, then that's it. I've made it, you know. And 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 as an entrepreneurial journey, sometimes that is a brilliant marker for success. Just being able to pay yourself enough to live a, a decent life and have your own business. It's uh, so you know. I, I like it. I feel your energy around it, uh, Michael. And it's it's nice. It's a really important thing for my listeners to hear as well. That sometimes you know that's a good enough goal, you know. And um, yeah, and I know you just you just mentioned you got yourself a new home. I'm sure you waited a very long time and made a lot of sacrifices to get to that point where you can get your own home. That's also a big personal landmark, right? Yeah, huge, huge landmark. And uh, of course, uh, not to forget uh, my, my wife's role in that as uh, <laughs> yeah. she, she's an um, entrepreneur as well. Uh, she sold her uh, business a couple months ago. Um, so that, of course, um, um, yeah, we, we, we really did, did that together. You should be listening. So we, we better give all the credit, to be honest. It's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I know what you mean. But I think our partners in life, actually, is a really interesting one. For again, my listeners, I, I always tell people personally that I would not be a success today. And my definition of success is freedom. I wouldn't have the freedom I have today if it wasn't for my partner. That actually she supported me when I had nothing and believed in me. And when I was feeling low, encouraged me. And so, you know, you talked about it earlier, your environment, but your partner is so crucial um you know that that life partner or, or, or people around you of course as well but having the right people around you so you were actually um dating another entrepreneur which i guess 
can also come with its uh, highs and lows, right? Because you're both building something. So it's not like you've got one's got a job and a stable income and the other is taking this risky gamble on a, a new you know, business like Inner Circle. You're both entrepreneurs, right? So that, that, uh, that dynamic equally probably made you understand each other too, right? Um, yes, the dynamic made us understand each other, but it took for me a while to understand that um, as, as a partner it's uh, sometimes uh, more valuable to uh, just listen and to try to help um, because you know you, you just need you, you of course have your uh, business partners and people you're already sparring with and get advice from and um, I, I noticed that uh, you know uh, for for uh, her she had her business partner of course who she was always sparring with and sometimes it's just more important to be able to um, share and talk uh, about the things happening and in that way digest them instead of having someone who listens very functionally and then give us, gives direct advice. And um, I think that's been one of the biggest learnings for me uh, in our relationship is um, listening and being there instead of um, trying to be her uh, co-founder. I think I've seen your next career, Michael, you know, um, a combination of coaching and matching where you, you help people uh, in, in their personal lives in this way. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I have, and as, as another entrepreneur, I'm married to an entrepreneur as well. So, um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, um, because they want to be an entrepreneur, have entrepreneurial people in their lives. And it is quite difficult when my partner says to me a problem in the business, I find myself diving in okay so this is what we're going to do to fix it and okay so you know this is what and actually you're right um very very good self-awareness michael to kind of like you know what just listen be there and don't try and solve it but did she do the same for you it sounds like she did with your graphic design in the early days right she's like oh this is all awful i bet she fixed it all yeah so she set up uh, an agency uh, a branding agency and um yeah, we, we worked uh, together a lot. Uh, basically, on one hand, it was always fantastic to work with her because uh, she's really, really, really good. Um, so the things they delivered was always phenomenal, but it caused so much tension uh, doing the projects that every time during the project, I would say never again, never again. And then in the end, you know, uh, we, we needed to have something great again. So uh, we would uh, ask her again for help. Um but uh, yeah, that's been a very interesting dynamic as well. Well, I'm, I'm also married to a graphic designer and we started a graphic design company together called Fluid, which we sold to PwC. Um, so I know about the tension you're talking about, but that, that tension can also be healthy, I guess, right? There's, the, there's a level of respect there, but you, you know, and you appreciate what they can do. I mean, I love working with my partner. I recommend it to people. I really think it can teach you a lot about each other and make the relationship stronger. Like moving in together, right? It even makes you or breaks yeah. you. So uh, the, the, the results were always um, beyond exceptional. I think uh, the best results uh, were from projects working together with her. But it did cost a lot of uh, arguments. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've, I, if, you've, if you've met a couple that's never argued, I'll show you a couple that will soon be divorced. You know, you got it. those yeah, arguments yeah, can make you point. stronger if you can get through it, right? But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I see an extension to inner circle long term as well. Like I want to call it relationship counseling. You must have had those conversations at points. There must be, you know, there's all, no relationship is perfect. I don't care how great um, the matchup was. There's always going to be you no know, difficulties. You ever think about extensions like that? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, maybe also uh, a wedding company to help uh, ah. uh, people getting uh, married yeah. and uh, kindergarten and oh. uh, nursery. Yeah. <laughs> nursery. In the circle schools. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh you know maybe uh, some of the people would like to then come and work for us so we create a full uh, life cycle with uh, with inner circle wow yeah yeah you could um you know <laughs> help people people find puppies before they have kids you know it's exactly uh, <laughs> there's exactly a, there's loads i mean the word focus jumps in doesn't it you mu you must have had these internal yeah. conversations many times and you're like hold on a minute this is not what we do Right. But it's, yeah. um, but anyway, it's, um, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I definitely think from an, from an entrepreneurial learning perspective, that, that, um, co-founder element we just talked about with David and Serge and your learning there around coaching and then the personal dynamics in a, in a personal relationship. I really think it's important for people to get their partner on board with what they're doing and make their partner yeah. be a part of what they're doing. Even as you say, if it's just in a listening, supporting capacity, but I see way too many businesses fail because the partner of the founder um, is not into it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. it's a really important point there. Yeah, but, Gemma has definitely been uh, our biggest ambassador and supporter. Again, if she's listening, it's probably her. It's all her that the business worked. You know, we should give her full credit, right? <laughs> I have to say, without, exactly. the, without the right branding, I do think businesses struggle, especially businesses that are trying to create a certain image of trust which is something you've built up as a business. People have to trust you, right? With quite personal information and branding really plays an important part in that trust building exercise. So um, all, all credit to branding folks out there and, and your wife. If, um, if you were to go back to your younger self, Michael, and uh, give, give some advice maybe to, to yourself, what, what would it be? I think my primary advice would be you can do anything as long as you put in the grind. Um, and just nothing uh, comes by itself. No, no success comes easily. So you need to put in the grind. There needs to be a plan and you need to stick to it. Um, there's just no success in the world uh, without hard and clever work. Um, so whatever I go for, uh, I should um, yeah, realize the, um, the, the perseverance it takes to make, to make it a success. And uh, when I look back at all the uh, projects that I tried in the past, um, there was uh, definitely a lack of uh, focus and uh, perseverance, especially the younger I was, the less focus and perseverance. Mm. Were your parents entrepreneurs out of interest? Sorry? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah. My uh, dad had set up his own company and my mom, uh, she set up uh, always her own projects. Like she produced things and then went, uh, went on to sell those. So, so when you said you're doing this entrepreneurial project, where well, you've done a few, of course, they, they were always like, yep, good idea. When I said to my parents, I'm going uh, to set up a dating app, uh, they looked very weird. Um, they didn't really know what uh, what they heard i think maybe they were even a little bit embarrassed you know online dating really um but uh yeah i guess um uh, then you know over the years of course uh, when uh, for example uh, some close friends of my mom uh, their children met their partners through the inner circle so now my mom is as uh, proud as uh, she can be so um, it definitely um, they, they did look a bit odd at it at the idea and at start but uh, they've always been supportive and uh, my, I remember my dad saying uh, when you've got an idea you've got to go for it and uh, see how it goes yeah again I think a lot of my Otherwise, listeners it will 
Oh, sorry. Otherwise, it will always come um, um, be be in the back of your mind, uh, and you just want to give it a go. Uh, either get rid of it in your system, or it may turn out a success. Yeah, wh- very wise advice. You don't want to live with regrets, do you? So it's uh, important to, I guess, take that idea and go go for it. But um, but I guess I, I know a lot of my listeners have their peer group, particularly parents, that might tell them not to do an idea or you know get a real job um it's something i hear quite a lot so having the support of of your families is is of course also very important but it's nice to hear your mum's proud when she uh, meets people that have met through your app that must be awesome too you know when you meet people randomly like oh my son my son's behind that business i can just i can just picture her gleaming with uh with uh pride for for what you've achieved but um well look i want to thank you so much michael for yet again coming on the podcast and 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 sharing your story with us this time as well as your knowledge and uh it really is an inspiration what you built and i know in the pep talk we talked about how you built it without raising money and how you built it just through i guess just being a, a good product for people and and something that clients want and and that that patience which is something you mentioned in the pep talk talk really resonated with me um in the previous podcast and and yet again just hearing how you built this business and and how you've worked with your partners both in life and in business to make it work is inspiring michael so thank you thank you very much for uh, having me and um yeah looking forward uh, to see uh, the, the the future uh, purposeful project podcasts thank you so much yeah i i am um, unfortunately i'm still in a relationship otherwise i'd be going and downloading your your um platform right now but i might get into trouble even if i say it's research but anyone listening that is single and wants a, a proper as we say in England, a proper app, then uh, go download Inner Circle. The links are below and uh, let us know what you think. Michael, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Project podcast today. If you got any value from this podcast, then do feel free to give us a review and give us your feedback. And if you think anybody out there might enjoy this story of this real life successful entrepreneur, then feel free to share. And of course, go and visit purposefulproject.com and join our mailing list at any point. Thanks again for listening.